This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 231. Understanding drivers is a great way to encourage authenticity, but also to do it in an in a really helpful way. There's a big trend, and again, I mean, this is even before COVID, but I think it's increased even more so with it. There's a big trend towards bringing your whole self to work and mm-hmm. employee well-being and you know you shouldn't have to hide who you are when you come to work. And so knowing your drivers is is really helpful and helps you be authentic because you can put a label on it and you can say uh, this is how I'm going to feel my most authentic self. Um, so if I can do these things and avoid those things, it's going to feel most natural for me. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you with us. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach. And we have a really special show for you today. We're really diving into what drives us and the importance of that. And we look at it both through the lens of how you can use this information for your clients, as well as how you might also apply this to your yourself, your own development, your own awareness, which is absolutely key in the work that we do. So before we dive into this week's show with my fantastic guest, I do want to wish you a happy spring. As I am recording this today, the birds are so happy outside in the sunshine, just singing away. And We are solidly getting some spring weather here in Texas. Now, I know that that's not the case around the world. I actually have a brother who lives in Las Vegas, but is up visiting my mom and my sister in northern Michigan. And he said, oh my goodness, what an April Fool's trick did I get? It snowed on April 1st while he was up in Michigan. So I do know that there are lots of different kinds of weather everywhere. And this is finding all of you in different places. However, we are now in the beginnings of April. So I do want to wish you the happiest of springs. And we here at the Star Coach Show continue to be committed to bring you strategies, tools, and resources to help you in your coaching, whatever season of the year. And that's going to continue with our show today with my fantastic guest. So as I mentioned, we're going to really dive into what drives us, what motivates us, and and we're going to explore some specific elements of that with my guest, Dr. Chris Coltis. Now, Chris serves as the Vice President of Product Innovation and is a senior consultant at Leadership Worth Following. Since joining 
the company in 2014, Chris has not only assessed and coached hundreds of leaders, but he's also spearheaded a number of company-wide research and development initiatives, including the development of the DRIVE assessment. This assessment is a step beyond personality assessments, which he'll describe in our interview today. It provides valuable insights into what drives and drains people in their careers. Now, the interview isn't so much focused specifically on the assessment as much as what the research has told them and and he shares with us around what looking into drivers, what the benefits are of that. However, towards the end of the interview, we will get some more information about the assessment as well. Now, Chris is into research. He works with leaders, focuses on the impact that drivers can have on a variety of workplace outcomes, such as engagement, resilience, burnout, culture fit, teamwork, leadership influence, our overall job performance, all these really important aspects that when we can zero in on what drives somebody, we can, you know, kind of open up new possibility and awareness with them. Chris has recently authored Driven, Not Drained, Discover Your Path to Career Happiness, Effectiveness, and Influence. And with that, I want to welcome Chris to the show, welcome you to his interview. Let's go to my interview with Dr. Chris Coltis. Dr. Chris Coltis, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Meg. It was such a delight to meet you in our pre-interview and learn about all the important work you're doing. And and this, what we're talking about today fits so well with all of you who might be working within organizations with leaders. But really, I would say, Chris, I don't know if you agree with this, but what we're talking about, while it certainly is super important for organizations and leaders, all of us have drivers, all of us have motivators, and understanding them whether we're leading our families, whether we're leading in an organization, whether we're leading in a community, understanding what drives us, what motivates us is pretty important. Thoughts? A hundred percent. Yeah. We all have drivers, everything, lots of things can either drive or drain us. And so knowing, knowing that is super important, both for leading and influencing others, again, like all of those different contexts that you mentioned, and also leading and kind of managing yourself, managing your own energy. And I think it's even more important these days uh, with COVID and all the changes that we're having to adapt to. Resilience and energy and self-care and self-management, I think, are, are more important than ever. So spot on. Absolutely. So what we're going to talk about today is the importance of those drivers. And Maybe before we even get into all of that, if you could share a little bit about what is it that led you into this kind of work and what what lights you up about this kind of work? Absolutely. So I'm the, the vice president of product innovation at Leadership Worth Following. We're a consulting firm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And as we've worked with our different clients, uh, coaching them, assessing them, uh, both at the individual team and organization level, 
Historically, we've used personality assessments. And so you do a lot of coaching and assessing leaders by looking at their personality and, and trying to get a sense of what does that mean for their behavior? What does that mean for their strengths? What does that mean for their opportunity areas? And, and when you look at that, the typical way of thinking about personality is this is who you are. You are who you are. This is stable over time. And so we want to understand who you are and find a way to kind of optimize or, you know, if you're feeling a bit more pessimistic, work around, <laughs> work around your personality, right? To do it in a way that works. But that's not, uh, and, and the other part of it is it's kind of an interesting paradox because we go into that thinking that the personality doesn't change. And then yet we're giving people coaching tips and trying to develop them oftentimes in ways that might go against their personality. Right. So here, you're set in stone, and why don't you try doing this instead? That doesn't really kind of make sense, does it? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so as we worked with our clients, we, we, the, the question that came to us was, how can we assess people a, that is a little bit more positive, is a little bit more motivational, is a little bit more tuned to not just describing how people are, but giving them a little bit more insight into here is why you do what you do, not just what you do. Because once you understand the why behind the what, now you actually have levers that you can pull um, versus just saying, okay, this is who I am. Okay. So then it brings us to that place of understanding that personality certainly gives us great information, but that might not be enough. And you've written a book called Driven, Not Drained. Great title, by the way, because don't we want to be driven and, and not drained? I mean, I think about all the years that I've worked with people first as a therapist, then as a coach, and helping them tap into what are those energy drains? What are sort of what's leaking that you're unaware that that's leaking? And there are things that just drain us that we maybe can kind of power through, but ultimately being aware of where what naturally fills our well and what pulls from is, gosh, so important to understand. So when you think about personality versus this other approach? What, are, what do you want us to understand about that? So without getting too much into the different theoretical debates and whatnot, uh, <laughs> personality is, is kind of a, an umbrella term. It's an umbrella term to basically say this is who the person is, and we generally assume it to be stable. What we've done here in thinking about drivers instead of personality is we really want to say, what is driving the behavior? And mm -hmm. so if we're trying to understand what's driving the behavior and also what's driving your energy, well, then really, rather than trying to come at it from a broad personality theory perspective, you want to come at it more from a, what are the different behaviors that you may or may not want to or need to engage in? primarily in the workplace, and then what are the, the different components of things that could drive said behavior? And so to put a little finer point on that, if you look at some other theories of behavioral prediction, so again, not personality, but the how do you predict and understand behavior, really what it comes down to is there are, there are three components that can drive behavior. Part of it is 
past behavior. So habits, skills, strengths, things that you know you're good at, things you've already done in the past, things the situation is kind of pushing you to do. So we kind of, our cute way of talking about that is just, these are the things you do do. So that's one bucket. So the second bucket is the want bucket. So these are the things that, uh, and actually, if I maybe rewind and, and call it a different bucket. Um, so you have the behavioral bucket, right? Right. right. Um, so these are the things you do, the things that the situation pushes you towards, the things that you you already habitually do, the things you know you can do. Um, so you have this behavioral bucket. And uh-huh. that's a lot of what personality assessments do, that's a lot of times what they measure. Mm-hmm. Um, then you might have uh, what a motives assessment might typically look at. And those are the things that you want to do. Those are the things that you have affective attitudes around the things that, you know, when you do them, you get kind of a, a positive affective boost from uh, when you're forced to do them, you get a negative affective drain around. So, you, so that's the second bucket. You've got the behavioral bucket, then you've got the affective bucket. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, then the third bucket is around cognition or values or beliefs. These are the things that I think I should do. I have learned over time that these tend to be effective. I have learned over time that these are things that people expect from me. And so I've taught myself that this is something I should do. And so the idea is that when your behavioral, affective, and cognitive components are all pointing in the same direction, it's all mutually reinforcing and you're driven to do that thing. And, and or if they're all pointing in the same in the opposite direction, right? So I typically don't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't think I should do it. Then you can be pretty confident that you're A, not going to do it. And B, if you're forced to do it, it's going to feel like a huge disconnect from who you are internally. So good. So how do we then take that information that, that we're uncovering? How does that impact the way that companies can maybe use that information to support or encourage or empower. I mean, I see all sorts of potential with that. So once we get understanding about those drivers, how do we use it? Yes, I think there, there's a couple of ways. First of all, I think the understanding drivers is a great way to encourage authenticity but also to do it in, an, in a really helpful way. There's a big trend. And again, I mean, this is even before COVID, but I think it's increased even more so with it. There's a big trend towards bringing your whole self to work and mm-hmm. employee well-being. And you, know, you shouldn't have to hide who you are when you come to work. And so knowing your drivers is, is really helpful and helps you be authentic because you can put a label on it and you can say, uh, this is how I'm going to feel my most authentic self. Um, so if I can do these things and avoid those things, it's going to feel most natural for me. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I think it also helps us avoid, you know, what I might call unhinged authenticity. Or, <laughs> Sounds or, a little scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really what I mean by that is I heard someone recently in this space say that there's, there's only about four or five people in the entire world who would really uh, jive with and actually accept your truly unfiltered, authentic self. Wow. 
And I mean, if you think about it, that's probably true. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. you were to just do whatever the heck you wanted, whenever you wanted it, there's probably only a, a couple of people that could tolerate that. And, and so the challenge is how do we come to work, uh, whether we're um, on a team or leading a team, how do we come to work and carry ourselves in a way that is both authentic to who we are? but also doesn't rub, rub everyone else the wrong way. So I think that by looking at those drivers, it really gives us some insight into this is who you are, this is what you want to do, but also, and we didn't really talk about this too much at the beginning when you were talking about energy drains. Mm-hmm. Um, well, w- as we pursue the feeling of drive and seek to avoid the feeling of drain, there are big watchouts with that too, right? Because we can really, really overdo the pursuit of the things that we like or the, the things that we, we feel driven by. Mm-hmm. And we can also really overdo that avoidance or aversion to those drainers. And so by getting a really clear sense of these are the potential downsides of the watchouts of pursuing your drivers and avoiding your drainers. Now we're able to get a clearer sense of how do you, how do you act authentically, but also how do you do it in a way that doesn't cause a lot of negative ramifications with the people you're working with? Right. So there's got to be like a, a responsibility sort of component to that. And, and anytime we, overemphasize one side and completely ignore the other, I would think that things are going to fall through the cracks or, or we're going to let go of, of things that are important to pay attention to. Yeah, well, and that's, that's a perfect segue to one of the other ways that uh, I and we use the a driver's assessment like the drive um, with our clients mm-hmm. to, to help, help them kind of lead and carry themselves better is, is this idea of motivational hooks. Um, and I'll actually just use myself as an example um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think we should all be able be willing to take our own medicine. Right. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really low on a driver called collaboration, uh, which means that I'm, I'm very independent. I'd much prefer to have a task and kind of, drive it, no pun intended, myself. But at the same token, I work in an organization and my role is, is highly matrix, highly uh, requires lots of collaboration. And so, you know, what do I do with that, mm-hmm. right? You know, a typical kind of personality coaching-based approach might be, um, well, first of all, might say, find yourself a new role, <laughs> Um, or, you know, maybe there are a couple of behavioral tips and tricks, but I like to think of it more as, you know, motivational or driver hooks. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is let's look at the rest of what drives me, what else is important to me and how can I use that to reframe the idea of collaboration to, to make those kinds of behaviors more engaging and more aligned with who I am authentically. So I'm not kind of just painting a smile on and grinning and bearing it when I'm doing collaboration. But for example, I'm really driven by creativity. And so rather than just grinning and bearing it when I have to uh, do- white knuckling your way through the collaboration. Exactly. (laughs) So instead of white knuckling it, I'm now just doing more brainstorming and finding creative, finding ways to inject creativity into those collaborative exercises. Good way. Yeah. So 
pulling from um, those drivers to really kind of help give some momentum to the to the less than drivers. And you call those motivational hooks. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. So that's one way as, as if we were a coach and aware, as many of us who are listening are, um, and we're trying to utilize the information that we would get from paying attention to drivers, we would maybe pay attention to those hooks. How can we leverage the, the higher motivators to help influence those areas that, that drain us more? Exactly. What, how else might we use the concepts that you're talking about as coaches to help the leaders that we're coaching? Yeah. So there's two other ways that come to mind when I've coached other leaders. One is I think about it as calibrating expectations. Mm. And so in we look at drivers again through the lens of behaviors, motives, and values. And so a lot of a lot of the drivers that we look at at least do have kind of a values component to it. Mm-hmm. And so again, I, I talk about this as calibrating expectations. So here's an example. I was working with a leader who one of his big struggles was um, when he delegated, if someone you know made a mistake or asked for help or you know ran into a roadblock, um, he would take over and do it and just kind of power through it and fix it for them. And he so, rescued. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Big time rescuer. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't that he was a micromanager. You know, he did lots of delegation. But when you looked at what drove him, he was really driven by two things. One was he was really driven by service. I think his, his service driver, so to speak, was in the 80 plus percentile. So it means that he really got kind of a motivational boost just from being helpful for helpfulness's sake. Mm -hmm. And he was in the 97th percentile uh, for a driver called autonomy, which means that he put a really strong importance or emphasis on being independent, self-reliant, doing it himself. Mm Mm-hmm. And so every time someone came to him for help, it wasn't so much a, how can we do this together? Let me help you. It was the way I help you is by just taking the ball and run, running with it. Take it away from you and do it myself. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and the, ex- the expectation that needed to be calibrated, yes, some on the server side, but even more on the autonomy side was what I challenged him with was hey, 97% of the world expects and needs less autonomy than you do. And so that was kind of an eye-opening moment to him to say, Mm -hmm. hey, it feels normal to me, but I'm, if I can be a little bit non-PC here, I'm kind of the weird one here. Right, right. And what's the message that that's giving your need for autonomy? What message is that giving to the people who don't need autonomy to that level? I mean, they're going to perceive that many different ways. And one of those might be that you don't trust me or you don't believe in me or that you don't, you know, that you think you can do it better than me, which, you know, is that really the message we want to give as a leader? Well, and that goes back to the motivational hooks too, right? Because if, you know, if he does, if he does care about his relationship, so if he is driven to maintain those relationships and that autonomy reflex is potentially damaging the relationships, well, now you have a motivational hook to help him dial back that reflex. 
See how all this fits together, people? So, so, so good. Um, Anything else about the way that we engage with clients through this perspective before we get into how we engage with ourselves through this perspective? Anything else? I think the only other one, and maybe this is is pretty similar, but I think there's a slightly nuanced difference is also just kind of shedding light on your biases and trying to see what the potential downsides are. And again, we did talk about that on the autonomy side, but just one more quick example. I love Um, examples. I love this one because it looks at a driver that, especially nowadays, we see as almost inherently a moral good, like a moral right is the drive to be inclusive. And so I was working with uh, actually a DNI consultant and she had look, looked at her drivers and she was, you know, as you would expect, strongly driven by inclusion. It was super, super important to her. And she was really wrestling with, you know, how could there ever possibly be anything that's wrong with this or unhelpful about this? You know, it's the most natural thing in the world and the most important thing in the world to be inclusive. Well, we were doing we were doing her debrief at a coffee shop, and uh, as we were doing this, someone walked through the door, and so I pointed at the door and I said, "What if you strongly, passionately believed that that door needs to be open, and I strongly, passionately believe that it needs to be closed?" <laughs> you know, at some point, you know, our strong, passionate beliefs are going to you know butt heads. And you've got to find a way. I mean, there at some point, there isn't a way to truly be inclusive. And if that's the most important thing in the world to you, then you're going to get stuck. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that by looking at what drives us, it not only helps us see kind of what our uh, expect, where our expectations might be too high or too low, but also where, where our biases are coming into play and in, in making it almost impossible to see the possible downsides of our typical way of operating. So good. And being aware of our biases and being and helping our clients become aware of their biases is just a great way to evoke new awareness, which is one of the things that we certainly want to do as coaches. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Speaking of, as we engage with others, I think it can be really important. And, and we talk about this a lot on this show in what, how are we taking care of ourselves, building our own awareness, kind of showing up as our best. And so when we think about developing our own self-awareness as a coach, how can understanding our drivers help with that? Absolutely. Yeah. So but when you, when you look at what's driving you, it's not just for your clients, but you know, us as coaches um, have drivers too. And, you know, without getting into, I'll I'll just give a couple of examples. um, So since I know you love examples. That's right. (laughs) So one of the things that you can, you can look at is how do your drivers impact your communication style? Um, And so I've experienced this as someone who is strongly driven by creativity, but also very drained by a driver called deliberation, which basically that just means I'm naturally impatient and I want to go fast. And so how that shows up in my communication style is as I'm, and I'm actually having to manage this actively right now, as I communicate to clients, I have a real strong temptation to jump from A to L to back to D, then M, N, O, P, Z, so on and so forth. 
because the you know the the connections are kind of popping up in no particular order and i like to just kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. um, as i'm communicating my ideas and for some people with a similar profile that works great right they see the connections and they kind of enjoy the journey but for others they get lost super quick and so i think that i mean that's just one example of uh, a couple right. of other but uh, you know when you when you look at your communication style based mm-hmm. on that's kind of coming out of your drivers it's it's helpful to see where how am i naturally going to communicate and is that going to jive with the profile or communication style of the coachee that i'm about to work with and if not well now you have a heads up and you can intentionally manage that so good and we want you to know that we appreciate your your pull to try to kind of give us this information in in bite-sized pieces in a flow so that we can all follow you. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate the effort that you're putting forward in that. What other, because we talked about enjoying examples and just in thinking about the way that this can be applied over, over many different um let's say just, there's a word I'm looking at, but like looking at it systematically or looking at it as, as different ways as coaches. One of the things that really lights up a lot of the people in our audience is doing group or teamwork. And I can imagine that paying attention to the impact that it can bring to a team or to a group can also be, well, enlightening. Uh, So, so how would you describe this work in that under that lens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I will actually have a lot to say on that. Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, before I dive in, maybe it would be helpful for me to just do kind of a quick overview. I know we're talking about drivers generally, but um, would it be helpful for me to do just kind of a quick overview of, I know I've given a couple of examples, but just like a snapshot of our kind of theory or model? Would yeah, that be fair? So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll take this particular model and look through it as a way to give specific examples. So definitely go ahead with that. Perfect. We look at, there are six broad factors in our assessment, the drive. And the reason I wanted to do it now is because those six factors do each have different implications for team dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is, well, there are six. So impact, insight, connection, harmony, productivity, and meaning. Okay. So I'll go briefly through the team dynamics and I'll pause as I go through if you want to unpack anything I'm saying mm-hmm. here. So the first one, impact, is really looking at how comfortable people are being assertive, being really bold, taking risks, um, moving quickly, influential, all of the stuff that you might associate with typical, typically kind of out in front leadership approaches. Right. And so when you look at how that affects team dynamics, it affects a lot of team dynamics, but the, the biggest one or kind of the most tangible one it affects is how teams engage with conflict. And so when you have, and it's not just the team average, it's, it's kind of the diversity within the team. Right. Right. Because not everybody on the team is going to be responding the same way. And that that can create some hiccups within the team. 
I would think. Well, on both ends of the spectrum, because if right. you have everybody that's really high, you can imagine kind of a bunch of alphas, you know, kind of fighting. <laughs> Duking it out. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, it can be good too, because they're really comfortable just being straightforward. They're not going to be offended. And if they have that kind of relational background and they're all committed to like the mission and all that kind of stuff, then that's great. It's great for them to all be really high impact. Um, if you have a bunch of spread on the team, then, you know, you have the big voices possibly shutting out the, the lower impact, less assertive voices. Right. And so kind of understanding impact, the impact drive has lots of implications for how teams engage with conflict. Right. So if we have a completely risk adverse team or, or conflict adverse team, then we've, they might get not be not as effective. I mean, there can be lots of uh, different factors to kind of look at. So that's super helpful. Okay. And that's impact. That's impact. Yeah. So the next one is insight and insight is basically the problem solving factor. Um, now there's problem solving implications all over the model, but insights basically looking at how driven are you to be big picture, solve complex problems, not reliant on formalized processes and rules and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that does affect how a, t a team solves the problem, how, how team solves problems. And so if you have a team that needs to be super visionary, but maybe not so oriented towards, you know, tangible execution, then it's great to have everybody high on something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in my experience, um, having lots of diversity on that factor is really helpful because you get your visionary folks and then you get your kind of operational folks. And so right. when you have a team like that, it's super helpful, but it's really helpful to actually explain why you <laughs> have that dichotomy because a lot of times you have your high insight folks looking at your low insight folks and saying, they just don't get it. And the, the low ones are looking at the high ones and saying they're just, you know, head in the clouds crazy. I was going to say, yeah, they don't know what it's going to take to really put this into to action and make it operational. And so back and forth. But to your point, if we had everybody in one bucket, then is that really going to be able to execute from beginning to end? Like we need all of these different drivers to move the whole team forward, I would think. Exactly. Yeah. So connection is the next one, and that's looking at that drive to actually have connections with the people you're working with. So whether that's through collaboration or through, you know, I mentioned inclusion earlier, or just building really warm kind of personal relationships. What we've found is that generally speaking, teams that work well together tend to be a little bit higher on this, as you might expect, mm -hmm. uh, because they just like being together. Mm -hmm. um, but that can also have uh, problems in terms of being productive, because if the whole, the whole team is focused on just, you know, being with each other, but not actually getting things done, then they're either wasting time and resources or things get too personal, right? We start blurring the lines between the personal and the professional mm -hmm. or unclear roles or indecisiveness because everything has to be a group decision. And we, you know, we don't, we're not comfortable having one person just make the call if it's going to, right. you know, upset other people. So those are some of the kind of watchouts um, on that uh, connection driver. Perfect. Okay. And the next 
harmony. So harmony is is also a relational driver, but it's more about putting others' needs ahead of your own. Mm. And so, you know, when you when you have a team that's really high harmony, they can often be conflict averse or, um, you know, unwilling to admit their own personal needs. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you may end up having resentment that builds over time. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, having high harmony teams, you get a lot of trust in those teams because i mean if i if i'm always putting your needs ahead of mine and you're always putting your needs ahead my needs ahead of yours you know that's a great way we're, to we're finding a good rhythm there maybe huh exactly exactly but you know at the at the same token when you have lots of spread or when you have teams that are really low in harmony then you have a lot of um, you know, un- excessive competition or, right. you know, backbiting or People drama. being pitted against each other. I've worked with some real low harmony teams and it can be, it can be a real drain. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then productivity is kind of about task execution, as you might imagine. And in some ways, productivity is, it's not exactly, but the inverse of, of insight, which we just talked about. So um, teams that are really high in productivity are all about getting stuff done, setting clear, really high goals, and just going, going, going towards executing them. The ones that are on the lower end of the spectrum are often more flexible, you know, bouncing from one thing to the next, really agile. And so you can imagine how if when you have those those people on the same team, the high productivity folks see the pro, the low ones as lazy or unreliable. The low ones see the high ones as you know rigid and perfectionistic. Um, but if you can bring those dynamics to the forefront and actually put people in the right roles and actually empower them to do the stuff that um, and play the roles that are aligned with that. Now you really start getting to a sense of, okay, well, so-and-so is going to be the person that's going to help us set really clear action items. And this low productivity person is going to help raise the flag for, you know, when they think it's time for us to shift direction. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same token, let's realize that, you know, so-and-so's action items may be a little ambitious, right? (laughs) Because they're high productivity and they never turn it off. And the low productivity persons, when they raise the flag to say, hey, let's jump to the next thing, well, let's, let's take a beat and, and check that assumption because you know, that's their bias to jump from one thing to the next. So good. Now, you mentioned something, Chris, that I think is interesting. So when you use this information with a team or a group, how do you actually roll the information out? Like, does everybody aware of everybody else's drivers? Because you had mentioned that the high, high productivity people might think that the low productivity people are lazy or whatever. So I'm, I'm wondering, do they actually have that information? Or is that a perception that they have just based upon their interactions with one another? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, so I I think it's both. Um, the the perception does happen because of the just the day to day interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I have a really crystal clear clear example of that when we touch on the meaning factor here. But since you asked about kind of the how do you roll it out, so from a process standpoint, when we work with teams, at least. Um, a lot of times what we do is we start at the individual level just to make sure that people understand, you know, what it is we're looking at and how there's, um, you know, no inherently good or bad driver, so to speak. 
let's talk about the pros and the cons before we dive into it. But then um, what we like to do with our like team workshops and whatnot is what we are kind of tongue in cheek label for this is speed dating. (laughs) You know, we give everybody, you know, seven to 15 minutes to actually share their profiles with each other. Like just dive into the report and say, oh, you're this and I'm this. And yeah, that makes sense why we've experienced each other like this. And oh, now I can start to see why you're not doing that because you're a bad person, (laughs) but because you see things differently and you have good intentions, just like I have good intentions. And so let's find a way to you know, like I said at the beginning of the of the episode here, not do unhinged authenticity, right? right? But how can we be more helpfully adaptive to each other's different uh, approaches and drivers? Very helpful. Good, good. So I cut you off. Where are we in the flow, and where do we need to go next? Yeah. So the the last one is meaning. And meaning is looking at how driven are you to seek significance and validation and meaning from the work you do. So people who are really driven by that need that kind of inspiration, big picture vision. And the people who are not driven by that, they have a really pragmatic view of work. You know, work is just work and that's fine. Like, you know, I I can get engaged with work through lots of other different channels. It doesn't have to be this kind of larger than life thing. So, you know, you've kind of got your idealists on the high end and your pragmatists on the other end. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because in early days of doing this with teams, it seemed like there wasn't that this was purely kind of a preference or stylistic difference and then oftentimes didn't have much implications for team dynamics. Mm-hmm. But the more that we've done this with teams, what we found is two things. First of all, you can have um, mission drift if you're, if you're really low if the team is really low on this, because you can kind of get swept away by, you know, whatever the pragmatic needs of the business are. But kind of lose sight of the vision or the the meaning. Right. Because there's not that kind of compass that's all North Mm -hmm. Star, if you will, that's always there. Um, And then the other piece of it is um, who's the leader? So if the team is all really driven by meaning, so they mm-hmm. need that vision, they need that inspiration, they need that significance, and the leader is not. So the leader is super pragmatic and they feel like it's not that important. Even if the leader is the most like charismatic, hard-charging, assertive, high-impact uh, leader there is, they're not going to try to do their influencing through the motivational channel that works for the team. And then the, so the team is going to start feeling disengaged and, and less motivated. And, and we've seen that with a lot of the teams that we've worked with. Such good information. So we're, we're coming to the end of our time and, and uh, you've shared such a great, just a, a view for all of us to, to begin to look through that area and say, I guarantee you the audience is thinking, oh, I could see this with this, I, you know, beginning to apply it to the work that we've done. As, as we are wrapping up, you talked about your assessment tool. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So the assessment is called the drive and it's looking at what drives and drains you. So <laughs> what we've talked about all day um, or all episode, I suppose. And uh, it's looking at those six factors that I just mentioned, impact, insight, connection, harmony, productivity, and meaning. And there are 28 drivers that go within each of those. 
And so the, the idea there is, again, what we've been talking about, where, what is driving uh, your energy, what's driving your behaviors, and we really emphasize the positive or at your best implications of some of those drivers, mm-hmm. and then also the watch outs or the at your worst implications of the drivers. And we've been using this for the past five or so years you know, with uh, everywhere from really small clients to, to really big clients, uh, one-on-one coaching teams, even selection. So doing mm-hmm. some kind of localized studies to predict sales performance and all those kinds of things. And so it's a really just flexible tool that um, uses really positive language, but doesn't sugarcoat it. So it kind of gives you this idea of, or gives you the sense of, this is what I'm driven by, and that's great. This is what I'm drained by. That's good to know. Um, but it it gives you really accessible language to process that kind of stuff without feeling like you're being clinically diagnosed or 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 really judged. So good. So if people want to know more about the assessment, where should they go? Our website is LWF. So leadership worth following LWF Insights dot com lwfinsights.com you can find me on linkedin uh chris coltis and uh, you can also find us on twitter and our handle is at drive drain perfect i will have all of those links at starcoachshow.com and these episode notes and chris thank you for bringing your wisdom forward the work that you're doing forward and helping us to understand it so clearly Absolutely. And, and Meg, if I can make just one more. So when you asked, how can you find us? So we have the assessment. There's also, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, uh, the book, Driven Not Drained. And that's an exploration into your own drivers. It allows you to dig into your report, apply it to you for yourself, see what's going to drive you, what's going to drain you, what you can do about that to optimize your own career, uh, happiness, effectiveness, and also how do you influence people who might be somewhere else on the spectrum on different drivers. So it really helps you both on the individual, but also the team and and the leadership side as well. And that's up on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other retailers. So you can just search for driven, not drained, discover your path to career happiness, effectiveness, and influence. Excellent. And we will also have the link to the book on the show notes. So, and it's, I had the honor of being able to read it. It's, it's really well-written and so much of it is like, oh yeah, that's me. Oh, that's me. I mean, it, it just makes a whole lot of sense. And, and thank you for bringing it forward. Awesome. Thanks so much, Meg. Oh my goodness, so much information in that interview that we can look at both internally in what this information does for the way that we show up with others and our own self-awareness and our own understanding of our drivers, as well as how we can apply this information with the clients that we work with. If you'd like to know more about Dr. Chris Coltis, about all the work that he's doing, and his book, etc. go to starcoachshow.com slash 231. Then you will access all of the links to his work. And I want to thank 
Dr. Chris Coltis one more time for being on the show. We continue our wonderful work next week in bringing you resources that maybe you hadn't even thought about in the world of coaching. I am so honored to be welcoming Dr. Kimia Saroff to the show next week. Kimia works with trauma mitigation. She is a coach. She is a physician. She is going to help us understand trauma, secondary trauma, the impact of the pandemic on all of us and the waves of impact of that, that that is going to continue to ripple through the world and how we as coaches can show up in the face of that. It was just a mind-blowing interview. I'm super excited to bring that to you next week on the show. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please share it with others. How about taking a screenshot when you're listening and posting it to social media and letting people know what it is about that particular episode that really speaks to you so that more people can find our show. As always, I invite you to visit starcoachshow.com for resources and information. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your success. We'll see you next week.